0: You're listening to the Unstoppable Business Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Lee. Anita, thank you so much for joining me today.
1: You're welcome. I'm glad to be talking with you.
0: Awesome. So when people ask you, what exactly do you do? How do you answer that?
1: Well, I first of all, I say that I'm an artist. But that I'm also an art instructor, and most of the time I teach classes online.
0: Hmm, I see. Okay. And like, how did this journey start? Like, uh, can you take me back to the day when you decided to start teaching?
1: Sure. I started teaching in person classes, just small art classes, probably about 15 years ago and I just really enjoyed it. Um, I love the interaction with creative people Mm -hmm. and I seem to have a knack for teaching um, that just comes out. Like I always get ideas for lessons and, you know, Mm -hmm. ways to hold a class and things like that. Uh So about, like I said, about 15 years ago I was teaching classes in person and I live in a pretty small town, so my class sizes were pretty limited as well. I also am interested in website design, so I um, started a a website, and that's when I started thinking about being able to teach something online. So it's been almost 10 years that I've been uh, teaching classes online.
0: Wow, that's, uh, that's amazing. And I mean, the landscape has just changed so much since then, wouldn't you say?
1: Oh, yeah, it's so much easier because I really didn't even know where to start. And I had to do a bunch of research on how to, the big thing was how to get a video online that only mm-hmm. certain people could watch. <laughs>
0: really. And now that's,
1: <laughs> yeah, now that's really simple. But back mm-hmm. then I I spent a lot of time doing research on, you know, how to have a platform for e-learning. Um, now we have so many options, it's just amazing, so it really has changed a lot.
0: I see, wow. So what was it like, um, you know, did you have like some, you said you had some web design experience back then, and because I mean, mm-hmm. b- putting together a website 10 years ago was like really difficult, wasn't it? You had to like know coding and all that?
1: Yeah, I used WordPress, and I actually still use WordPress. Um, it was much more difficult then, but I um, I just taught myself enough code to make it work. <laughs> uh-huh. And I obviously okay. love learning myself. I love to learn as much as I love to teach. So mm-hmm. I did spend a lot of time learning how to create the website. Um, and then WordPress, again, like like the e-learning platforms WordPress has gotten a lot more user-friendly over the years as well.
0: Mm-hmm. I see and it seems like you know you, you seem like you you really like to learn so does that somehow do you think that helps you become a better teacher that you're constantly learning?
1: Oh I'm sure that it does mm-hmm. and I know that I think it's a really wonderful way to learn You know by teaching other people you have to learn how to explain something and then you're really Mm -hmm. getting the knowledge you know so um so i always learn whenever i hold a class i seem like um i feel like i should know all of that about painting and stuff but i still learn as i go
0: Mm, i see okay so what was it like in those uh in-person classrooms that you had um years ago Uh, Was it really enjoyable to start, you know, teaching in a a classroom environment and then shifting to, like, the online world where you're not as, uh, you know, in person and, you know, there um, with the students? Yeah. How was that?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's always a benefit to teaching in person because you get that one-on-one interaction. But at the same time, you're limited. You know, you actually have to be there and the classroom size is limited. And um, the, I think the big change in having online classes is that you're able to, you're able to create the classes on your time, and then your students and your participants can learn the information on their time, you know, And then you're also not limited to a classroom space.
0: Mm, let's see. And so was this transition like sort of something like a natural add on to your uh, physical classes or did it was there some point, was there like a tipping point where you're like, okay, I have to like reach more people or something like that? (laughs)
1: Um, You know, I think there was a, a tipping point where I just realized that. I didn't want to travel. Um, too much to try to teach classes in person. You know, there's just a lot of logistics behind, um, you know, t- flying someplace and setting up in a classroom and teaching. Um, because typically a, a painting workshop will last three or four days in person. Um, and so you, you know, you get that interaction for three or four days, but there's all the, you have to fly there, you're staying in a motel room. And then you're coming back and then it's done. You know, that information, um, it doesn't really continue on. Whereas when you're teaching online, if you get a really good course, you can just continue using that content. So I do think there was a tipping point where I realized that I could reach a lot more people. Um, And at first I had a really small but very loyal following of people. And it was very exciting to me to think about these people living on the East Coast or, you know, I had a person that is from uh, Sweden that's been with me for a long time through these classes. And I just started reaching more and more people. And uh, it's um, it's very inspiring to think about how your information can get, you know, you can help out somebody who's living in another country.
0: And, Vanita, uh, were you always in Oregon? Was that always home base for you, or
1: yes. was it somewhere else? Yeah, that's always been home base for me. I love it here.
0: Hmm, I see. And where did you have to travel to uh, during that time when you were doing workshops, like physical workshops?
1: Well, mostly I just stayed within the state of Oregon. I did go down to California a couple of times. Um, and but most of my classes were just within driving distance so there wasn't a lot of flying and stuff involved but that's where i was heading to if i wanted to expand my business of uh, teaching art classes you know i would have had to travel a lot more so it's just nice to have made that transition to where i can do it online
0: oh that must be really nice and reaching people and so far as like Sweden was that was that surprising to you where you're like oh wow like (laughs) I have a student from Sweden
1: yeah it was really surprising to me um and uh and also that was you know that was about the time where YouTube was just becoming you know pretty darn popular and Mm -hmm. so I had a lot of people that were following me on YouTube as well and I I was also surprised by the views and just the interaction you know people would uh, send me an email and tell me they watched my video and they loved my painting style and things Mm -hmm. like that so it it was um it was really neat to see that happening
0: wow i see and what about so you spoke about youtube and uh some other media platforms it seems like you were using um would you say it was difficult in the beginning to build an audience I know you had a loyal following but was it hard to sort of build that even more
1: yeah um it was hard starting out I actually think it might be harder now starting out now because there are so many more people Mm -hmm. teaching online um but then on the same hand people are more familiar with it you know, right, so I was just very fortunate that i I started off with a pretty good following i don't I can't really explain how people found me mm-hmm. um, but once once people you know like i've I've had people that I feel like i I know them really well. Mm-hmm. We've never actually met in person, but they've taken enough of my classes and we've corresponded um I've done live video meetings with them and things like that. Um, so I don't, I don't really know, you know, for someone who's just starting out today, I couldn't really say if it's easier or more difficult now.
0: Mm, I see, okay. And Venita, did you always know that you were gonna do this? Like this was going to be your art form and, you know, as a little kid and you were like, I'm gonna be a painter.
1: No, no, mm-hmm. I didn't. Um, I actually was a preschool teacher, oh, okay. and um, and I started painting just as a hobby. And before long, I was teaching on a very small, local level. Um, so I think maybe that preschool teaching experience helped me to know how to oh. uh, teach a, in a classroom setting. Mm-hmm. And uh, And so I didn't have any plan for doing that at all It just is something that happened um i fell in love with watercolor painting especially and um ever since then it's just been a huge part of my life wow
0: so when did that transition happen from uh when you found the passion for it um you know you're a pre- preschool teacher found a passion for watercolor and then you decided that you were going to teach it
1: i would say um Well, gosh, it's it's been about 20 years ago now, hard to believe, but about 20 years ago, that's when it really started taking over, you know, and and I just loved watercolor painting, Um, and then that's not too long after I started, I actually started teaching on a local level. I filled in for my teacher, (laughs) one of those little community classes. Uh the teacher was having some health issues and she said I need somebody to fill in do you think you can just oversee this classroom and I said sure I'll do that and then before I knew it I was uh, teaching my own classes.
0: (laughs) Wow Um, so did you get it right away like you know on that first day of teaching do you think you nailed it?
1: Well on the first day of teaching I think I knew that I would continue that Um, but at that point I had no idea that it would go on to be an online process
0: Hmm, I see wow incredible (laughs) how everything sort of flowed together huh
1: yeah uh uh-huh
0: so uh, what's the project that's that you're working on right now that's most important to you
1: Right now, I am in the middle of creating a new course. It's a remake of one that I released several years ago. And um, for those of you that, you know, for the listeners out there that are not really that familiar with painting, I'll just say really quickly that the color green in watercolor, like painting the landscape in watercolor, where you mm-hmm. have a lot of green trees and green grass, mm. that can be pretty difficult. And so I am making a class that focuses on painting the landscape and especially focuses on the use of the color green in a painting.
0: Hmm, I see. And what, yeah. what was the inspiration for this course, especially?
1: <laughs> um, a lot of times what I do is I listen to the people that have taken my classes and I try to pinpoint what they're having difficulties with, and then I'll create a course that will hopefully address those issues.
0: Hmm. Let's see. So you take in a lot of student feedback, like whatever they tell you. You're like, oh yeah. Uh oh. hmm
1: Yeah, I think I think that is a huge benefit for anybody that's teaching online. Is you know listen to what your members are telling you. You know, the people that have purchased your courses, just ask them questions. Hmm. Tell them, you know, tell them you'd like to know, what are you struggling with? Um, you know, what, what would you like to learn? Um, I'm always asking them questions. <laughs> <laughs> and that way I know that I'm helping them out and not just working on a course that you know, it might be something that I'm interested in, but maybe it's not going to really fit their needs.
0: Mm-hmm. I see. Are you an expert or course creator trying to monetize your online course? Well, use our one page template to get more paying students to your online course without marketing overwhelm or sleazy sales tactics. You can download this for free at unstoppablebusiness.com. Now back to the show. And you know what's curious is um, it seems like you started off at a traditional institution, right? Where you're teaching preschool kids and then mm-hmm. you went off to do... Um, I mean, it's hard to identify because um, course creators can be an entrepreneur, it can be a blogger, it can be so many things, right? Um, but, right. But uh, you started off on your own, right? Right. Um, how come you didn't think about Oh, why don't I go with a traditional institution and teach there?
1: I think I just wanted the independence hmm. of creating something on my own and seeing if I could, you know, have it be successful. Um and I like the I like the flexible schedule too. <laughs> oh,
0: okay. I <laughs> see. Has that allowed you to be, um, what has that allowed you to do, having the flexible schedule?
1: Well, um, my kids are now grown, but Mm -hmm. you know, when they were, when I started out, they were still at home. And so having that flexible work schedule was really great for the family. Mm -hmm. Um, And then once you start on a flexible work schedule you don't really want to give it up (laughs) Uh (laughs) and for me working as a painter you know I still have I still dedicate a lot of my time to painting Hmm. Um, and Mm -hmm. so the two go well hand in hand because I can have like this week I'm focusing more on video editing Um, Hmm. that's what I was doing before this phone call Mm-hmm. and I can be more you know, at the computer doing the video editing, but then last week I was more focused on painting, and I barely even sat down at the computer all week long. Mm-hmm. So it's really nice to have that flexibility so that I can allow time for my art, but then also have time where I'm doing the more tech technical part of mm-hmm. uh, creating a course, because it takes a lot of time. You know, that right. is the one drawback if you're going to create a really good quality course mm-hmm. it takes a lot of time to do all of that really mm-hmm. um oh yeah you know the planning and then you've got to film and mm-hmm. then you have to edit and uh and i'm working on you know creating the captions and a transcript and things like that so it takes mm-hmm. some time but then once it's done it's done and then you can you know continue to use that course Mm-hmm. online so that is it's a huge benefit
0: mm. um, would you say that having technical skills and having creativity you like you know it's funny because not a lot of people have both would you say you were gifted with both or was some you know you had to learn some technical
1: yeah um I have always been that way where I like to go back and forth between doing something that's purely creative and then doing something that's more technical Hmm. so I do I do think I have a pretty good balance of that um, but there are times where I really have to force myself to sit down and and get into more of the technical stuff right (laughs) I'd rather rather just be painting but I know that you know that's um that's only part of my process
0: mhm let me see okay so it's it was like something that you you said oh i have to do this in order to make this work right how to to get the flexibility right. to get my courses out there right mhm mm. um so was there a certain game changing moment for you like um you know one day you woke up and you're like yes you know like this is it
1: Hmm. I, I'm trying to think about that. I
0: mm-hmm.
1: I think that my process wasn't, my process evolved a little more slowly than that. So I, okay. I can't really think yeah. of a moment where I mm-hmm. said, oh man, this is it. You know, I, I just, I started off so, such a subtle transition into the online world that um, I don't think there was one moment like that. I see. Just so it was more of a gradual process.
0: Time.
1: Yeah, just a gradual process. And that's probably how it is for a lot of course creators. You know, you see your, you see your email list building a little bit of the time, your social following building a little bit of the time. Um, for me, I've never had huge numbers. I think the key component for me is to have that loyal following, you know, to where I I'm, am really connecting with the people that have taken my courses.
0: Mm, I see. And how do you best, um, you know, develop that relationship with your audience?
1: I have a private Facebook group that is, you know, it's set up just for the people who have taken my classes. Um, that's a pretty good way to connect with them. I also, within that private Facebook group, I'll do live videos that's just for that group. And I won't post those videos anywhere else. So they know that they're just getting some free content from me that mm. is for their eyes only. Um, and then I also will connect with them through email. Um, a couple of them have my cell number, so they can text me if they have a question. Um, So those are are the main ways that I've connected with them.
0: Hmm. Has it ever become overwhelming to manage such a big audience?
1: Well, my audience has never been that big. (laughs) Probably the largest enrollment I've had at one time has been about 200 people. Um, and it can get overwhelming. I've done different formats with my courses. Sometimes it's just a standalone course it's work at your own pace. Other times it's more of a live course where I'm interacting quite a bit. And then other times it's been an ongoing class where it's a um, like a subscription model, so a membership type of thing. Right. Um, mm. And that's, that's the one that got to me because – um, I wasn't able to balance my time like I was talking about earlier, where I had time to paint for myself. I felt like I was just always trying to create content. You know, mm. the next week's coming, and I've got to get something to these guys, and that uh, that can get a little overwhelming. That you know, that membership format. Um, so I haven't done that in a little while. <laughs> <laughs> I see.
0: Okay. So Vinita, knowing all this, um, and it sounds like it's such an incredible journey and everything just worked out um, so naturally, is there something that you wish could have been different about your journey and your process?
1: Well, I don't like to have regrets. But one thing that I wish I would have done different is to take... I wish I would have taken better advantage of YouTube back when it was easier to get Hmm. views and Hmm. subscribers, you know? Um, I did put videos out way back then, but then I just kind of stopped doing that because my focus went more towards creating courses. Um, Hmm. And if I would have been more consistent with my videos, and that's even true today, you know, I need to be more consistent with getting content, free content out there. Um, to build up audi- an audience.
0: Hmm, I see. Okay. Yeah, I like that. No regrets. <laughs> Live with no regrets. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, what do you think is the vision? What's the vision for you um, in like five to 10 years from now?
1: I would like to be able to keep doing what I'm doing and also just have some really great more evergreen types of courses that uh you know that people who discover me can just take and i know that they're really good quality my best work um i'd like to have a almost like a library of courses that people could take from me
0: oh wow mm, i see so something that uh can that you kind of leave behind sort of like a legacy.
1: Right, mm. right.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow, amazing. <laughs> Minita, is there anything else that you want to say to those course creators out there listening?
1: Um, I think as far as advice, I would just say to go in, above and beyond for your students and your customers. Mm-hmm. Because right. the, the amount of courses available today have increased so much in the last few years. So when someone really makes the effort and purchases your course, they should just be thrilled with, with the quality of it.
0: Mm, I see. And I
1: know, I, know I, set, I set myself a pretty high standard, and I think that other course creators, I think that's just a good goal for them as well.